0: Doing all that they can to be in line and what is that? Yes, Father, and in agreement, in harmony with my word. A tidal wave of blessing and breakthrough. And, huh, huh, how do I how do you even describe that, Father? What I see with my spirit, how do I even describe? Glory to God, what you have in mind is glorious. That which the eye has not seen, that which the ear has not heard, is ready to break forth on this generation. In spiritual blessing, in financial and material blessing, in great progress, in restoration, and in many other things. So just decide right now, saith the Lord, to be that person. Make sure that you take time, saith the Lord, to know that you know that you know that you're standing and you're planted right in the center of my will. And that all that would defile and all that would be unclean, that you separate yourselves from those things. Become a vessel of honor a vessel of gold that I can pour the precious, oh, the precious things of the blessing and of the anointing into that vessel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Consecrate yourself. Dedicate yourself. Praise God. And these things will surely come to pass. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I believe that's that's in line with what the Holy Ghost is saying. Amen. Amen. You know, you prophesy according to your faith. You prophesy according to your ability. The Lord was reminding me Uh, Praise God, some time ago that, I think it was on a Wednesday night a few years ago, that uh, out of my mouth I I prophesied that uh, within the next five years that uh, land in, in McCracken County and all the property would go, and we had never really had a rise like that, but I want you to know it came to pass. Amen. I don't know why I'm telling you that. Praise God. But it came to pass. Amen. You know, when it's really God speaking, it'll come to pass. Amen. And so I believe that those that will bring their lives in line with what God just said, great things, great things are going to come to pass. Amen. All right. Well, in Matthew 25, we're going to continue tonight talking about uh, being covenant-minded, learning what it means to be a covenant-minded man, a covenant-minded woman. And, uh, you know, we ought to encounter covenant-minded people big time when we come to church. (laughs) But out in the world, it's going to be a rare, rare thing for you to find someone that's really covenant-minded. You know, you want to marry someone that's covenant-minded. You don't want to marry someone that's, uh, you know, that's uh, immature and uh, selfish. But someone who really understands that, uh, that I'm coming into a lifelong union till death do we part, and I'm committed to the promise that I make. Amen. And it's not just a lip service thing, but before you marry them, they are demonstrating that kind of walk, that kind of life. Praise God. And uh, I know as a pastor, I put a premium on believers that will be covenant-minded with me. Because now I'm far from perfect, but I'm doing my best to be covenant-minded in my part in the body of Christ, in my part in this local church towards people. Amen. But what hurts me and what's so disappointing at times in your soulish nature is that people are willing to benefit from that covenant mindset, but they're not willing to give it back. Amen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not really me or the person that's, you know, I guess it does, it does affect you, you know, when someone's not covenant-minded toward you in whatever relationship you're talking about. But ultimately, to not be covenant-minded is going to hurt you. Yeah. Amen. God is a covenant-minded God. He's a covenant-keeping God. And uh, if, if I've got my Bible right, the goal is to become like Him. You know, the Bible says, as He is, so are we to be right now in this world. Well, He is covenant-minded. Question is, are you and, are you and I? Amen? All right, praise God. Now, last week, we, we started talking about one of the attributes, one of the, one of the pillars of what, what upholds a covenant mindset, and that is faithfulness. can't be covenant-minded person if you're not faithful. And so we talked about the laws of faithfulness. And those are found in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse about 9, 10, 11, 12, 10 through 12. I'll summarize them. There's basically two laws Jesus outlined there in that passage of faithfulness. Uh, The first one is, he that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in that which is much. So the way heaven is going to grade us And the way heaven is going to consider us, how useful will we be to heaven? How useful will we be uh, in our service to the Lord? Is going to be determined by uh, what we do with the littlest of things, the smallest of things in our own mind. And if we're not willing to be faithful in the very little things, we will never break into. God will hold us back. He will keep us in a low place, though he may, may have much Amen. You know, when uh, I think it was the very first service Dr. Dufresne was ever in, uh, you know, that first time he came, of course, Amber and I, we were in disarray because of some false prophecy that came our way. And uh, he began to stand up and God began to use him to steady our ship a little bit or a lot. And one of the things that he said, he said to me, Son, get out of your head, get out of your head. If you had any idea right now at this moment, the greatness, the largeness, the grandness of what God has in mind for you, you would run from it. You would run, right? Yeah. Well, So it just indicated to me that this prophet was saying he had a little bit of a glimpse, amen, of the grandness of the plan of God that he had for my life, amen. But he, said, he didn't want me even trying to grasp it all right then. Yeah. Well, what am I to do? Just be faithful with the part of the plan of God I'm living in right now. And sometimes we can get, and we should be, we should be people of vision. We we should long for those greater things that God has. And he has greater things for all of us. Amen. And I mean in, in every dimension, I don't care what area of life you want to talk about. He's got greater. Amen. And, uh, uh, and we should long for those things. we should pray about those things. we should believe for those things. but really, uh, once we do that, we should just be a very diligently focused person. What is God put in? What opportunities do I have right now? Yes. Amen, Amen. What, what, are the, what have those over me in the Lord? What opportunities have they given me? What opportunities? See in a local church, this is where I started. I was one of about 1,500 people in that church. Amen. And I was really new to the congregation, to that family. And uh, Pastor Kirk was trying to get volunteers for an overnight uh, shift for security for the youth camp. I think it was like the uh, 3 to 2 to 4 a.m. or 3 to 5 a.m. shift. And imagine how many people want, want to volunteer for that to walk around in the middle of the night in a flashlight. Amen. Well, yeah. So all those people, they're sitting there, they've been in that church, and my pastor's crying. I can't open camp. i got to have this. You know, i got to have this. I just stuck my hand up in here. See, I, I, I'm not better than anybody else, but I'm just saying what I did. I saw an opportunity. 1,499 people did not see it as an opportunity. But I just saw it as an opportunity, and you know what? I had a job that I had to be at in a suit downtown Oklahoma City by about 6:30 a.m. So I had to go up there, wake up, and work, you know, and work that shift, and then I had an hour and a half to kill before I could go to work and change my suit. And I did that. When I just did it day after day after day for that for that whole camp. That's just what I did. And I, when I, I was just looking for opportunities. And I just started taking service opportunities that other people didn't want. Amen? I did that so much and so often before long I found myself on the payroll in that ministry. And the pastor's wife said, yeah, you're the the one that just volunteered his way on staff. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'll wear that badge. Amen? See, being faithful will open doors. Amen? Hallelujah. And so that's the he that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful also in that which is much. Then Jesus went on to say another law of faithfulness is he that is faithful in what is another man's. Right? If if, if one is not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give him his own? Amen. So God may have your own, your own manager's position, your own company your own whatever, your own ministry, your own whatever. But He's going to test you before you get your own. And the way He's going to test you is how will you handle what belongs to somebody else. And whoever hired you, whoever you're working for, it belongs to somebody else. And God is looking to see how you handle those duties and responsibilities. Are you just looking to milk the hourly wage and not give your best? Are you spending your hours as a man-pleaser and not a God-pleaser? You're spending most of your time on the clock whenever you can, uh, scrolling on Facebook and Instagram? Or are you diligently about the business that you were hired to do and even going above and beyond? See how quiet it starts getting? Amen. See, we might think, uh, I'm milking the man here. Ah. You're not getting away with anything. You're, hind- you're hurting yourself. Because God is looking. And so these are, not, these are laws of the kingdom of God. And none of us are escaping them. Amen? All right. Praise God. Well, we want to go further in this tonight. So let's, uh, let's look at a familiar story. In Matthew 25, all red letters that I can see in this chapter. So Jesus is speaking. And we want to pick it up in uh, verse number 14. Verse number 14, open your Bible, open it up on your device, let your eyes rest on these words. This is the master teaching. And so notice what he says. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is as or is like, or it's like this, like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Whose servants are we? We're God's servants. Are we our own? We are not our own. You do realize that he's talking about us. This is a parable, but this parable is prophetic. This parable is prophetic and apply it applies, this truth, the lessons here apply to all of us, every single one of us. Amen. He's just not talking about the 12. He's talking about every believer. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country. And so he called his own servants, and he delivered them. Other translations say entrusted to them his goods. Whose goods are they? His goods. Now, and notice verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, or two talents, and to another one. Now stop. Is the master being unfair? You know, if you just read right there and stop, it looks like he's being discriminated. He's not, he's not treating everyone equitably. Well, let's just read the next sentence. We'll find out it's not true. God, we know God's fair. We know God is just. And so the next phrase of verse 15 says, To every man or to everyone according to his several or individual ability. So he's not being unfair. He's being very fair. See, it's not fair to entrust someone with more than you know they can handle and then judge them with what they did with it. So here we see a master, and he gave the man five because he knew that guy is a five-talent guy. That lady can handle this amount of resources. Amen? Amen. But he gave two to the next person because he's fair. He's just. He knows we're not all the same. We're not created all the same. We're loved all the same. We're valued all the same. But we don't all have the same ability. We don't all have the same grace. We don't all have the same measure of anointing. And our assignments are not all the same. Our responsibilities in the body of Christ are not all the same. Amen? Amen. And this guy did nothing wrong. Who made the servant? Jesus made the servant. He made you and I. Amen? And if, we're, if, we're a, if I'm a two-talent guy, then I'm a two-talent guy. Amen? And I wouldn't want him to put into my hand an, an area of responsibility and aware that I'm going to be judged if he put an assignment on me that's beyond my ability. Are you with me? And we'll see as we read the story here that Jesus is proved right. The master is proved right. He was discerning about the amount of uh, finances that he gave and resources that he gave. Amen. Now, I know he's talking about like I have the God's Word translation here in my notes. I have the New Living Translation. And so like the New Living Translation said, to one he gave five bags of silver, to one two to one bags of silver. In the God's Word translation, the way they render it is that uh, the master gave one servant uh, $10,000, the other servant $4,000, and then the other person $2,000. So we know he's talking about resources, right? Financial resources. But this could be more broadly thought of as all of our talent, all of our ability, all of our anointing. Amen? All of our resources that God has entrusted to us. You with me? Amen. So he gives, verse 15, go, let your eyes go back there. He gives to each one according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey or he went away. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same. And he made them other five talents. In other words, he doubled uh, the five became ten. And then likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two now, notice it's a lesser amount, but notice the results were exactly the same. Amen? From a percentage point of view, they're exactly the same. The five-talent guy doubled what he had. The two-talent guy doubled what he had. Amen? And, and that's important to, to, to see and to understand. Well, then we know we, know we got this. The, the news doesn't stay good, right? Right? And then likewise, uh, but he, verse 18, but he that had received one digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. In other words, I wrote in my Bible, he did nothing. He did nothing. After a long time, see a lot of time is going to pass here. The Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth or accounts with them. You know, we're all headed to a reckoning. I said, there there's going to be a reckoning. It may seem like we're getting lulled into being uh, selfish and being lazy and being distracted because a long time is passing. But we're all coming to a moment where we're going to stand before the master and give an account for the talent, for the ability, for the resources that he put in our hand. And I'm concerned for so many, maybe it's not you, but so many Christians today, are their talent is buried in the ground. Or they sold it to the world in the pursuit of money and fame and things. And they're doing nothing. Maybe they're just good. Most people I'm, I run into, they're just good. They love their family. And they're, they're busy. They have a lot of demands on their life. And they're just too busy for church. They're just too busy for the local church. They're just too busy for the kingdom of God. They've got a kingdom to build. they got a house to pay off. they got a boat they want. They got a this, they got a, and it's fine to have a boat. I mean, I'm just telling you, right? But I mean, are, listen, are you building your kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? Amen? And how do you judge that? Well, where's your energy going? Where are your resources going? Where's your time being invested? And if it's in you first, then you are unfaithful. If, if, if me and mine comes before the kingdom, then I am an unfaithful servant in the kingdom. It, it's, just, it's just black and white. There's, not middle, there's no gray terms. You're either faithful or you're unfaithful. You're either trustworthy or you're not trustworthy. Amen. And so after a long time, here comes the master and he's going to have a reckoning with him. And so let's keep reading. And so in verse 20, it says, so he that received five talents came. And I'm going to shift over to a more modern translation. I'll go ahead and read from that God's word translation. And so what in verse 20, it says, the one who received $10,000 brought the additional $10,000. He said, sir, you gave me $10,000. I've doubled the amount. His master replied, Good job. Good job. King James says, Well done. Amen. All right, so the, the master's expressing his mind. Amen. So in verse 21 says, His master replied, Good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share your master's happiness. The one who received $4,000 came and said, Sir, you gave me $4,000. I have doubled the amount. Verse 23 His master replied, Good job. Good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted. With a small amount, I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and enjoy your master's happiness. Now, let's stop here. So, the amounts were not the same. But the results were the same. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Let's let's think about a pastor who's got a congregation of 10,000. And you have a pastor over here that has a congregation of 50. They pastor their whole time as faithfully, as consistently, as sacrificially, and skillfully, and devotedly, as they knew how to be all their life long till they went home to be with the Lord. And then this day of reckoning comes. What are they both going to hear? They're going to both hear, well done. They're both going to hear, Good job. The master's not going to look at the man that had a congregation of 10,000 and went, Good job. And they look over here and mock the guy who's got 50. God didn't give this pastor the grace for, for 10,000. He didn't, get, he didn't have the ability to pastor 10,000. He had the ability to pastor 50, and he did it faithfully. Well, the commendation is going to be the same, and the reward is going to be the same. It's not about the ability. It's not about position. It's not about the way the world and so many in the body of Christ are going to judge it. Amen. The commendation is, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what you were able to do? And if you were skillful and faithful with that, you're, we're all going to hear the same commendation from the master. We're going to hear, good job. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, uh, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And so if much is given to a person and their voice, their influence in the body of Christ was great, and, you know, they're going to have to deal with extra demons. They're going to deal with extra opposition. They're going to deal with extra temptation. And they're just, their, their margin of error is going to be much different than, than the, the brother that God called to be a husband and a, family, a solid family in the local church and to work out there and make money and be a light in his community and be a faithful usher. And they didn't face what this other one faced. But see, God gives the ability to this one to face what they're facing. Amen. And if that, if that man was a faithful husband and father and a light in his community and a blessing to his pastor and a faithful usher, when we all step forward in heaven, we're going to hear, good job, good job. Amen? What do you want to hear? I want to hear, good job. Chris, good job. You were, skilled, you were good at what you did, and you were faithful with what I gave you to do. That, that's, all, that's all I want to hear. That's all really I'm living for. I don't care if I have a church of 400. I'd like to. I, I don't care if I have a church of 4,000. I'd like to. Amen? But all I am responsible for is what has God given me, and am I being skillful with it, and am I being faithful with it? Amen? Amen. 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 Are you with me tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not about, you know, what it is, but what is it? What opportunities do you have? See, so many are just like that in Church of the Harvest back then. They're turning down opportunities. Turning down opportunities. Some people, they have opportunity. They could come to Thursday morning prayer, but they don't. You know, the Bible says, He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. How does the Lord count that? It counts that as sin. When we know to do good and we don't do it, no matter what the justification is, if we could do it and He wanted us to do it and it would have been good to do it, it would have helped further the kingdom if we did it and we just didn't do it because we had stuff going on, the Lord's going to look at that and He's going to mark that down. You had an opportunity to come and be a part of the prayer team and you didn't do it. You didn't count, you weren't faithful with that opportunity. I mean, we, I'm, this is serious stuff. People in the body of Christ are not taking this seriously enough. You know, if you've been entrusted with a service position in the church, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Are you complaining about it? Griping about it? Wishing you didn't have to do it? Amen? Amen? If you're a leader and you've been entrusted with a class, is, are you bringing your faith to that class? Or are you just, just going through the routine? Is there increase in that class? Not just numerically, but in quality, in anointing, in organization. What are you doing with what was entrusted to you? And that may be your thing that God put in your hand and whether or not you hear good job, it's going to be dependent on what you did with the nursery class. But people don't think it big. I tell you what, anything that has to do with service in the kingdom of God and to the world in Jesus' name is a huge deal. Jesus, we have real estate in the Bible, pages, you know, real estate in the Bible taken up so that Jesus could take the time to say, even the one that gives a cup of cool water to a child, they will not lose their reward. All the way down to water drinking. We need to renew our mind, church. But you know, the way the, the average, not you guys, but the average church-going Christian's mindset is, how dare that church put a demand on me? Don't they know how busy I am? Who does that pastor think he is? Having expectate we're going to read about it in a minute. That pastor's too hard. So we're just going to close the chapter, turn the page on that, and we're going to find us a different church. And that's the average mentality. But spiritually speaking, people don't know what they're doing when they have that mentality. Let's keep reading here. Y'all doing okay? Praise God. Uh Glory. (laughs) We'll sew you up before it's over. So verse 24, again from the God's Word translation, Then the one who received $2,000, so he received the the smallest amount, he came and said, Sir, I knew you were a hard person to please. You harvest where you haven't planted, and gather where you haven't scattered any seeds. I was afraid, so I hid your $2,000 in the ground. Here's your money. His master responded, you evil and lazy servant. He did not hear good job. Do you, non, do you know that just showing up in heaven doesn't guarantee you hearing good job? You know the master, he's a truth teller. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And thank God you're gonna if you're born again, if you if Jesus is your Savior, you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is alive, you know. Legit- you're going to show up in heaven, oh, thank God. But he is not going to tell you good job if you didn't do a good job. He might call you, you lazy, good for nothing. In terms of my plan and service, you just got saved by fire. That's the, that's the Bible, the way it saves it. You got saved by fire, but you're bringing nothing. Because you did nothing. You did nothing. Oh, glory. So, see, when projects, you know, you need to think right about 2023 because we're going to put more projects on the board. We're going to put more projects on the board. We're going to reach for bigger and better things. We've got more work to do. And it's an honor, it's a privilege. It gives all of us opportunity to be kingdom builders. That we can involve ourselves in the work of the ministry in every way—in prayer, in time, in presence, in work, in sweat, in finances. See, if we didn't give you that, if just me and the paid staff did all the work of the ministry, and all you, people would love that in their flesh, they would love that. I just show up. I don't have to do anything. No demands are placed on me. But see, when you get this picture, the lens of heaven, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, you would rightly begin to feel cheated. I want an opportunity to be a servant in the kingdom. Give me a cup of cool water that I could serve to a little kid. At least, Pastor, trust me with that. Please, would you please, could I please... That's the way people, and people should be lining up. We should have uh, 90 plus of our regular attenders, we should have at least 90%, in my opinion, involvement in active service in the church. Now you got new ones that are coming in, they're babies and they're just learning, they're having to sit, and that, so that's 10%. But the rest of us should be engaged in the work of the ministry. You don't want me cleaning all the toilets? I'm getting all the I'm getting all the reward. Especially when you say pastor, that's not your calling. That's not what you need to be doing to be effective. This is an opportunity for me. I can do that. I can be a mom and I can be busy and I can have a husband, I can have a house, I can have a job and I can have all that, but I can I can do that. Don't take that opportunity from me, pastor. Leave the trash. But see, there's so much more than just that. Uh, no, Pastor. I don't want you just doing all the praying for the ministry in private in your office. I want an opportunity to pray. You need to give me, Pastor, an opportunity to join in prayer. Give me a prayer assignment. Maybe I can't come to a, a gathering, but you could give me something. I'll hold that before the Lord. I'll bring my faith to that, Pastor, till it comes to pass. Amen. And then you take that and you be serious about it. I'll go knock on doors. I'll go visit in the hospital, pastor. Give me, what could I, well, what could I trust you with? What can God trust me with? And I've already taught you the way he's measuring that. He's measuring it based on what we're doing with the very, very least. Amen? So he responded, you evil and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvest where I haven't planted. And see, he told off on himself. And I gather where I haven't scattered. Then you should have invested my money with the bankers. When I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. Take the $2,000 away from him. Give it to the one who has $10,000. To all who have, more will be given, and they will have more than enough. But everything will be taken away from those who don't have much. Throw this useful servant outside into the darkness. People will cry and be in an extreme pain there. Now, don't ask me to interpret that for you. Don't ask me to interpret that That there. You just chew that, eat that, swallow that. That sounds hard. I said that sounds hard, but it's in the Word. Listen, we can't act like these scriptures aren't here. Right? So let's look at this wicked servant. Number one, he said, "You're hard." Well, number one, see, his first mistake is he believed a lie. We know this is a lie. Well, maybe he was hard. Well, who is in this parable? Who is the master? Come on, he's Jesus. We know that. Is Jesus hard? Is he hard? Other translations say, "You're harsh." You're harsh. You're hard. You're you're too tough. You're unreasonable. Is, G- is that Jesus? The Bible, says Jesus himself says in the Gospels, Come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden. Come and find rest. For your- you'll find, take my yoke upon you. And you'll find that I'm meek and I'm lowly. And that my burden is easy. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not hard. He's not hard. I said, he's not hard. But the enemy wants you to believe that being faithful is, in the kingdom is too hard. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie. I, I'm going to take time to repeat this again. Some years ago, I was here on campus during the week. And uh, the Lord just broke in on me. And he said, son, do you know that you have two kinds of people in your church? And he was kind of light about it in his tone. I didn't mean I heard an audible voice, but just I mean strong right down on the inside of my spirit. He said that. And so he was kind of playing with me a little bit. So I just played right back. I said, what? Men and women. I thought that was pretty clever, right? I mean, it's just just two kinds of people in my church. I got that right. I can't be wrong with that. And uh, he said no. And then it was like a flash, just a moment of time. I saw families in the church. And in this first group, I would see faces and lives and families. and, And in this first group, everything about their life was on the uptick. It was on the upswing. Their revelation was coming up. Their understanding of the word was coming up. Their marriage and family life was getting better. Things were getting in order. Coming up, children coming up, financial problems diminishing. Got, they got more money coming in. They're, they're a little less squirrely in their mind. You know what I mean? Everything about their life, not perfect, not perfect. The devil's out there. Life happens. But everything about their life was being lifted in an upward direction. I said, all right, God, I got it. Then like a flash, I saw Other faces in the church. Faces I see every day. Individuals, families, children in the church. And it's the exact opposite. Nobody's in a free fall. But everything is trending the wrong direction. I don't have to take time to describe. You just get to everything about their life is just trending in the wrong direction. And he said, do you see it? The distinction, the difference. And I looked and I meditated and I thought... And I said, no, sir, I I don't. And he shifted me back to that first group. That's the group you want to be in, right? Uh, Right? That's the group you want to be in, where every aspect of your life is is going up. And in that moment, he helped me by revelation. I saw it. They were doing three simple things consistently. Number one, they were attending. They were attending consistently. Number two, they were tithing and supporting the church financially, consistently. And number three, they were helping. They had a job in the church. And like a flash, you know how it is when you get a revelation, I saw it. And almost just wanted to weep the goodness of God. He did not make this hard. The Lord is not a hard taskmaster. For most of you, for the laity, this—you know we share a lot of the standards, but I have responsibilities in the body of Christ you, you don't have. Good on you. He's not going to judge you for what he's put on my plate. If you don't have a tangible healing anointing that's got to get out to the body of Christ, then you don't have that. Amen? If you don't have an anointing to prosper that God's, you know, requiring you to get out to the body of Christ, then you don't, if you're not, if you've not been commissioned to write books and get them out to the, then that's not on you. If you've not been given uh, oversight of a flock, then you don't have that. You're never going to hear, you're never going to be judged for that. How good is the Lord? Those three simple things on that basis, he can take every part of your life and push it up. Yes. And so we made it our new members covenant. We tell every new member this is what we expect of members. And if you don't want to be held to this standard, just keep attending, don't become a member. And people, some of people step over into that and they treat that badly. They, they let busyness and things get in the way of church attendance. They serve for a while, but they get frustrated or bored. And before long, they were on the schedule and train, but now they're off. Ask yourself, do you have a job in this church? And are you a member? Amen. Now, if you joined the church last week, we give you time to get that figured out. Come on. You should want to help. Are you being faithful with your tithe and offering? On those three simple things. See, God is not hard. Now, that's not everything to success in the Christian life. It's, but it's, it's so elementary and so foundational. But so many believers out there, they can't get it right consistently. And it is costing them. Let me give you a reference here. I'm, I'm looking at the time. You just write this reference down. We don't have time to turn to it. You know, Jesus said that we should count the cost. And, and it would behoove you to count the cost of unfaithfulness. You could be unfaithful if you want to be, but it's not free. You could be as unfaithful as you want to be, but you don't get to not have to pay the price for that. You see, as Christians, with God in us, we have to violate God's divine nature in us to be unfaithful. Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness. So see, if the Holy Ghost is having His way in us, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. Amen? There's long-suffering, there's goodness, there's meekness, there's faithfulness. Amen? And will next year's crop of spiritual fruit be more than this year's? It should be. Amen. All right. That reference is Numbers 14, Now, this is the aftermath of the children of Israel refusing to follow God's instruction and go in and possess the land. And in the uh, Lexham English Bible, it says, God said to them, you will bear your unfaithfulness. In other words, you will pay for being unfaithful to me. Their payment was 40 years in the wilderness until everyone 20 years and older died. So notice they didn't get to be unfaithful with no cost. Notice the little bit of ability and resource the master entrusted, the 2,000 he entrusted, he lost it. And he didn't get promoted. Even what he had was taken from him. And out there in front of everybody, the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. I don't, Jesus, help me. I don't want to stand before Dr. Dufresne and Smith Wigglesworth and Kennedy Hagen and all the greats and all my family and hear Jesus say, as I step off into heaven, you wicked, lazy, selfish, come on in. I, I don't want to hear that. And I'm not going to. Here's another reference you ought to write down and meditate on. Proverbs 13, 15. This is in the New King James. Proverbs 13, 15 in New King James says, The way of the unfaithful is hard. So you might think that being faithful is hard, but that's the lie of the devil. See, God blesses faithful people. A faithful man will abound in the blessings of God. If you get your mind renewed, you are focused on being faithful. It's being unfaithful in your prayer life that makes life hard. It makes, it makes, being unfaithful in your word life is going to make life hard for you because of what you're not getting from the word. Not being properly connected to your pastor not occupying your God-ordained place in the local church. It's going to make life hard for you because God won't be able to do for you what He wants to do for a person who is faithful. Everyone say faithful. Faithful. (laughs) Amen. Glory to God. So he believed wrongly that the master was hard. The next thing it says about uh, this man's mindset was he was afraid. You know, you got something precious entrusted to you, and you let you let fear keep you from investing. That the guy, those guys that turned that ten thousand into twenty thousand, no doubt what they, what if could they have had the thought? What if I lose this? What if I make a wrong decision? This is not my money. This is the master's money. He entrusted me with this. They could have been afraid, but they violated that fear. No doubt. Maybe they went through that process and they said, you know what? He must see something in me. He gave me five instead of two. He's a good master. I believe he's going to help me make good choices and good decisions. And I'm not going to just bury what I have in the ground. I'm going to put what he gave me to work and I'm going to trust him to bless it. And he'd much rather see you take what he gave you and make some mistakes with it. But from a right heart, you're doing everything you can to employ your resources to be a blessing. You will make mistakes along the way. I have. God is bigger than all of our mistakes. God's not, he's judging us after our heart. But there's something wrong in this man's heart. You notice when Jesus responded, when the master responded, he didn't even say anything about that hard accusation. He didn't answer that. He didn't say, I'm not hard. But he didn't validate it either. It's a lie of the devil. Amen? I guess what I'm trying to get over to us tonight is, what opportunities do you have? What's in your hand? What can you do? And, and are, you, are you doing it to the fullest extent? And are you wholehearted about it? I'll, I'll, let me tell you a story here. I'm almost done. But, uh, you know, uh, I started playing high school basketball as a freshman. But we had a couple of classes above us. Our senior, When I was a freshman, our seniors and juniors were ballers. I mean, they took us deep into the state tournament two years in a row. I had no chance of playing. And so I practiced like I had no chance. I was a smart aleck. I was lazy. I gave the coach a hard time. I was constantly in trouble. And I never played. (laughs) And I, I didn't deserve to play. But then going into the sophomore season, I knew, I knew I still didn't have a chance to play much. But I made a decision. I wanted to reach my fullest potential in basketball. And it's amazing how fast I just switched my whole attitude. I went to Coach Brewer, and I said, I'm sorry, Coach. I'm sorry for how I've acted. I'm sorry for the pain in the butt I've been. But now I'm asking you, I've made a decision. I want whatever potential I have, I I want to give my all and reach my fullest potential in basketball. I asked him for the key to the gym. He entrusted me with that. In the light of what I just acted like. And I began to play. And I began to practice. And I told Coach, I said, Coach Brewer, listen, I know me. And I respond, I won't say it the way I said it, but I, I respond well. To a good swift kick in the butt. And I'm asking you to give me. And he did. He did. And he started putting demands on me. We ran suicide. He knew I could do five seconds faster. He knew I could go further. He knew I could shoot better. And he started placing demands on me. You know what? I never got mad at him. For yelling at me. I never got mad at him. For being upset with my performance. Because he knew I had more in me. See, it's a bad coach that sees potential. That sees ability. And won't make a demand on it. And maybe, you know, some of you, you have ability in some areas without even trying I mean, without even trying in many areas, you can blow out the average people around you by 50% or more on whatever it is. But for that kind of person, amen, just because you can show up and do better than everybody else, a right teacher, a good coach will go, uh, 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 that don't impress me because I see more in you. You could do more than what you're doing and I want it all. Well, someone smart doesn't go, I hate that guy. They're too hard. That's not fair. Because the only way to get all of what's in you out is for a mentor, a pastor, a teacher, a coach, a parent, a somebody to say, That's not good enough. I see. See, when someone puts a standard on you, Ashley, it's speaking value. When they say, you know what, I don't care where you came from. This is not an acceptable way to live, honey. Don't get mad at them. They see gold in you. They see treasure in you. And you need to let them have their part in your life. And say, well, I don't see it. I felt like I I gave it all. But he said there's more in there. You remember the Facing the Giants movie? And that one guy, see, he had ability, but he, he was a turkey, wasn't he? But before long, what, he carried that guy all the way 100, 100 yards on his back. Come on, we have more in us. We have more prayer in us than we're given to God. We have more intercession in us than we're given to God. We have more service in the local church than we're given to God. We have more study and meditation in the Word than we're given to God. We have more worship. We have more praise than we're given to God. We need to give it all because when we get to heaven and the coach calls our name, we will not be sorry. We will not be sorry for having laid it all on the line for Jesus. His reward is great. Come on. He, His reward is great. And I know our intentions are so good because you're like me. Our intentions are good, but our flesh is strong. And we're not going to be able to be the kind of faithful believers that God wants us to be and stay dominated by our flesh. Dominated by our feelings. Dominated by laziness. We're going to have to throw that stuff off. Amen. 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 What kind of servant do you want to be? I don't know, maybe I'm a two-talent guy, maybe I'm a five-talent guy, I don't care, I just, if I'm a one-talent guy, then I'm going to say, Jesus, you gave me one. Here's two. And you know what he's going to say? Good job. Good job. Good job, Chris. Good job. You proved yourself worthy of being entrusted with one. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Hallelujah. Let's count it a big deal in our service to the Lord next year. I know what kind of days we're living in. I know what kind of pressures are that are out there. I I, I know we're living in the world that's being prepared for the Antichrist. But God is big enough to cause all of us to stand. Unmoved by the spirit of the world. Unmoved by the spirit of the Antichrist. Unmoved by all the pressures. We can stand our ground and occupy until He comes faithfully. If He comes back next year, I'm determined. He's going to find me working In his vineyard. That's where he's going to find me. He's going to find me. Working in his vineyard. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well did you get something out of that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father tonight. We ask you. To forgive. Every act. Intentional and unintentional of unfaithfulness that we have ever demonstrated.